Zanino. Middle, middle. That a boy. He, he, he got it. He, he it got deep. it. We're going he got it. Mike Zanino <laughs> just walked off Minnesota. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Amen, brother. Good speed out there, pitch. Deep drive, left center field. Give me a baby! Go! A home run for Mitch Hanniger! Welcome back to the Soto Mojo Podcast. This is your site co-expert, Colby Patnode. I am joined today by Ty Gonzalez, and we have got a, a fairly busy show for just the two of us. We are going to talk about the Mariners' latest uh, stumble into the All-Star break. We're also going to talk about the All-Star game, um, maybe vent about how Gene Segura was robbed. I don't know. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the other big news around the league. Uh, we're going to touch briefly on the Manny Machado trade, which as of this recording has not been finalized, but seems like it's pretty much a done deal. And then uh, after that, we are going to talk about what the heck to do with Robinson Cano when he comes back off the DL. But first, Ty, say hello. And, uh, you know, what the heck happened to the Mariners last week? Hey, uh, Ty Gonzalez here, and um, to answer your question, Colby, uh, I don't know. You know, it's it's a mixture <laughs> of things, right? You had a, <laughs> I mean, it was disappointing, but uh, yeah, it was a mixture of things. You had um, Christian Bergman starting one game. You had James Paxson only pitching a third of an inning, and then another game. Um, you know, the offense hasn't been great whatsoever in july um just not getting on base not really uh keeping things moving on the base pass a lot of base pa- uh, base running errors uh yeah just clearly some fatigue going into the all-star break and um yeah I, I don't think any uh any other team other than the mariners needed this uh this break more more than they did it yeah, you wonder if the uh, the toll of all the close ball games that they play may have finally caught up with them, um, because you know it's it's hard to go into, you know, baseball's a marathon, and when you go into every game and it's a tight game and there's high stress moments in every single night, I mean, I think eventually you just kind of run out of steam. Is that kind of what you think you're seeing, or is there a bigger a bigger point to be worried about here? Mm, I think it's more like. Everyone, you know, every baseball player, every baseball team hits hits a slump. It's just like it seems like almost every offensive player on the Mariners has hit their slump at once. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think it's a very temporary thing. I don't, I don't, you know, because like we're seeing guys like Gene Segura and uh, Mitch Haniger have bad at bats recently. That's not going to continue. Um, you know, Nelson Cruz is another that has had some pretty bad at bats recently. You know, those, those things won't 
continue. Those guys will get hot again. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's something to be too worried about. It was just really frustrating to see um, the uh, the loss with the Travis Story walk off. Felt like something that would happen to the Mariners like last year, or you know, any time during the the recent drought. So. Well, not recent. It's almost been 20 years, but <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's uh, yeah, I I I don't think that um, it's nothing too serious. I think they'll get right back on track, and they're playing the White Sox uh, starting Friday. I think that will be kind of similar to how they uh, they were rewarded with playing the uh, Orioles and Royals out of the out of the gauntlet mm. last month. Uh, so I think, you know, they'll get to beat up on a bad team at home and then go into a, to a series with the Giants who are pretty decent. Um, that could be a split. Um, and then they got the Astros. But hopefully those, like, those five games with the White Sox and the Giants kind of get them back on track. So uh, they're at uh, full strength going into the, uh, into the Astros series. Yeah, you know, the White Sox are one of those teams that can be a little scary. Their record's really bad, but they're young. They hit home runs. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's a team that you definitely can't just blow past. Um, a lot of young talent there. But, yeah, you know, it's like you said. Um, you mentioned there the little run they went on last month where the sky is falling. They went 1-5 and five in Boston and New York, and clearly they can't beat anybody and then they went on an seven-game winning, eight-game winning streak, something like that, immediately after. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just it's part of the ebb and flow of the baseball season. This team in particular, um, you know, I just I think the pitching is too good to sustain, like, super long losing streaks. So maybe it's a week or two like this, like we just saw. But, you know, at the end of the day, the roster is still good. I mean, it's still the same roster that's 19 games over five hundred. Um, you know, I'm not worried yet. Um, I just, part of that is, is because I don't really buy the Oakland A's. I look at their starting rotation and somehow I go, wow, the Mariners is like significantly better, which is not something Uh that I would say about really any American league team, but here we are. And I look at the bullpen and they got the two guys, but they're pretty weak in the middle and their offense is hot right now. And basically it's taken Oakland, I mean, I, I'm assuming I'm I'm speaking for both of us, and I don't want to do that. Are you assuming that it's pretty much Seattle versus Oakland for the last playoff spot? I yeah, I mean, but I also don't view Oakland as a legitimate threat still. Yeah. Um, mainly because of the rotation. Um, I mean, Edwin Jackson is, has a two right. four five ERA right now for them. That's not going to last. I think it's. Uh, they're just hitting their, you know, they're hitting their spot. But I mean, like, even bad Mariner teams in the past, where we've kind of come close to the wild card, you know, towards the end of the year, they've hit a, you know, a hot streak where like a couple guys like Chris Young is pitching well for them. You know, uh, I don't, I don't put too much stock into the A's. You know, they're a good young team. Um, they'll be, I'm sure they'll, they'll actually be. Uh, legit contenders next year with that young core and then adding through free agency if they do go that route. Yeah. <clears throat> but, uh, excuse me, but, 
yeah, I just, I don't, I don't see them as a legitimate threat, but who knows? Uh, you know, they're three games back. I don't want to discredit them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, perhaps they, they stick with us all, all year, and if they do, or if the Mariners just drop off the face of the earth, I mean, that's, but it's, it's the, it's the Mariners' spot to lose. Right. I would, I think that's, uh, I think that's pretty obvious. So, uh, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, I, maybe it's a good thing the A's are right on the heels of the Mariners because it kind of forces ownership and Jerry DePoto in particular to actually go out and add. You know, I don't think they were going to sit on their hands either way, but, you know, if you have a constant threat behind you, by the way, a threat that can outbid you, uh, like, prospect-wise, pretty easily. Uh, the A's have a really good farm system. So, you know, it, I don't think anything like this is going to happen. But if you're looking at, like, a young, controllable starting pitcher, like, if the A's really want to play hardball, they can get any of those guys before you can because it's not about money. Yeah, yeah. It's about prospects for those guys, whereas the A's aren't going to be, like, involved in – Lance Lynn or Cole Hamels or anybody who's going to cost money. Like, that's just not what they're going to do. So it's interesting to see. Um, you know, like, the A's have played, over the last three weeks, the A's are playing, like, 800 ball. Obviously, yeah, yeah. that's not sustainable. And for the first half of the season, for, through the first 81 games, they were like a 500 team, you know. So yeah, I'm going yeah. to take the 500 team as who they are. Um you know, we'll see what additions they make, but honestly, it's not that I don't. It's not that I'm not like fearing the A's. I just kind of think that, you know, over the course of the final sixty some odd games, I just think the Mariners are better. So, I, I don't know if the A's can make up the three games, um, but you know, you never know. And uh, I guess it definitely adds some intrigue for the rest of the summer. Yeah. Well, and I also don't think that they'll they'll add anyone too significant. I, you know, Billy Bean isn't stupid. Um, they're clearly overachieving. I, I'm sure he realizes that. I'm sure he realizes that they're still a year or so off from actually contending. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I just can't see him selling major pieces on their farm, uh, especially when some of them are fairly close. Uh, for Chris Archer, you know, or yeah. Blake Snell. Uh, if they're I even just, available. <laughs> yeah, if they're even available. But, like, I can't see, him, you know, him trading top prospects in a year like this for a pitcher like that, you know, that caliber. Yeah. We only The only time I remember him doing something like that is when he traded for, like, John Lester – and Jeff Samarja and Jason Hamill, and he gave up Cespedes and uh, Addison Russell, and he lost a one game yeah. playoff. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, you know, it's I, it's not really a style. I think if they do anything, it'll be like a piece who's there next year. I think they'll look for like their Mike Leak, if that makes sense. You know, a guy yeah. who is going to be under club control is probably, you know, I, but it's tough because again, they don't have a lot of extra money, but. I'm sure that's what they're looking for, a guy that they can bring into the rotation next year. Um, And if he helps them make the playoffs this year, great. If he doesn't, you're ahead of schedule and you have a starting pitcher in a free agent market that's going to be pretty bad. 
um, in terms of arms available. So, anyways, let's look at what the Mariners are right now. Neither one of us are seem to be too worried. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't think there's any reason for panic quite yet. So, mm-hmm. anyways, uh, let's talk about what happened last night and if you want the home run derby. Now, full disclosure, when I talk about this, um, for me, I'm not an all-star game guy. I just, I'm not, it's it's not my thing. Um, so I actually only saw a little bit of the game last night. Um, basically, I tuned in, and the first thing I saw was Gene Segura's home run. <laughs> and then I Ooh. saw Edwin Diaz blow the save. And then I saw Segura get a hit. And I saw the two home runs by the Astros, and I saw Segura single. I saw him score, and that was all that I watched. So I'm not, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not... Uh, I'm not sitting there and watching it pitch for pitch and all that stuff. But uh, anyways, based on what I gathered um, from Twitter and from watching the bits that I did and all that stuff, sound like a real slugfest. Um, I think they set the record for most home runs in an all-star game. So I guess yeah, Ty, by four. Wow. <laughs> Ty, how much of the yeah. game did you watch and uh, what were your takeaways? So I did watch the whole game, mainly Good because there, there, there was just nothing else on. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's fine, whatever. (laughs) I mean, like, it it started raining during the game, and it was raining hard, like, hours before, and it makes me question why you would ever hold an all-star game at a stadium without a roof. Because that's, like, that's just a one-time thing, and you can't really have the all-star game get canceled. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um... Yeah, Segura, um, yeah, he got robbed. I mean, it would have been nice to see him win the MVP, especially since Cano won't last year, so to have, like, back-to-back All-Star Game MVPs, that's always welcome. Um, he clearly did the most for his team, but the All-Star Game really bases their MVP on just whoever wins the game, which it looked like Segura had done until Eddie lost the spear and blew the save, which... Uh, by the way, Edwin owes Segura a car. Uh, yeah. But, but, yeah, you know, so Alex Bregman won the game with his home run, um, even though that they went on to score two more afterwards. So, therefore, he gets the, the MVP, whatever. Um, but, yeah, it was cool. You know, uh, you got to see, uh, you know, Nelson Cruz was a, was a pretty big character the whole night. He was... Uh, getting all the balls for uh, everyone's first all-star hit and he was recording a lot and they were the broadcast was focusing on him a bit i was i was watching the canadian broadcast so it was with the blue jays commentators um but they were they were focusing on nelson a lot um which was cool and they talked about the mariners and how they're you know strong contender blah 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 um yes uh i the one takeaway that I have that kind of concerns me, but not too much, because again, it's like the all-star game, is Edwin Diaz's nerves on a grand scale. I mean, we saw it like in the World Baseball Classic how he gets a little bit erratic, and we saw that again last night. He almost fired a 98 mile per hour fastball into Trevor Story's head. Um, he fired another one past uh, the catcher. Uh, and he just, he looked a little bit shaken up and then he gave up the home run by just serving up a meatball to, to 
uh, Scooter Jeanette. So that makes me a little bit concerned about how he would pitch in a playoff setting. Not too much. It's just mainly his history, like with the World Baseball Classic and everything. Um, and then seeing him last night. But yeah, uh, it was, it was fun to see. Um, actually, you know, Gene Segura wasn't the person that got screwed the most, though. It was Mitch Hanniger. Hanniger had a, had a work the 2-2 count. And this ball, uh, this next pitch was clearly outside, missed, missed the mark. I forget who it was. I think it was like Brad Hand or someone pitching. Missed the mark, or no, it was Ross Stripling. He missed the mark completely. Ball went way outside. Hanniger struck out looking somehow. And, uh, and there was runners on, uh, second, or on first and second too. So like he had a, he had an RBI opportunity. Uh, so, you know, there you go. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was fine. They look good. It was cool to see them have fun. And I think they needed it too with, uh, with the recent skid. Yeah. You know, uh, it certainly seemed like there was a lot of fun being had and nobody got hurt. I'm not too concerned about Diaz. Uh, um, but you know, you do raise a good point. How is he going? Cause we've seen him in like the really big moments. He tends to kind of overthrow a little bit. Um, his mm-hmm. mechanics get out of whack and he struggles to throw strikes. I don't know. It's almost like maybe trying to find a way to pitch him in a you know close game at Yankee Stadium or Fenway Park might come in handy in October. But I'm not the manager, so I don't know anything. Anyways, um, you know, it just it was it was good to see. I think you know hopefully this re-energizes some of the guys. The nice thing is is that they get the next two days off. Um, and Diaz actually got in some work. It had been almost a week since he had pitched. Um, because, yeah. uh, hey, you know, good news, we didn't use him in a non-save situation, so that's good. Um, yeah, you know, it just it is what it is. Uh, and technically, technically, Bregman did not win that game. It was George Springer um, because Hap gives up the run. Oh, right. So, yeah, Votto. Yeah, so if Votto's you really want to give the MVP to somebody, you know, based on winning the game, it should be Springer, but... It absolutely should have been Segura. Um, the guy was two for two. He scored twice, uh, three RBIs, a home run. He's responsible for four of the eight runs. Uh, yeah, come on. <laughs> that, that that seems like a no-brainer. Yeah. Whatever. Um, I'm not going to complain about an all-star game MVP too hard because, like I said, I didn't even watch most of the all-star game. So, uh, anyways, yeah. I just, I'm just happy that everybody's healthy. Um, they had fun. Now they get a couple days rest, and well, probably today, and then they'll be back in Seattle tomorrow. Uh, I'm I don't know if the Mariners will have like a workout kind of I I doubt it, but you never know. Um, and then they'll get ready to play on Friday against the uh, the Chicago White Sox. So we'll see how that goes. Now, isn't there a isn't there like Olympic thing that they always do coming up? Is that I couldn't remember if that was All Star break or if it was. But yeah, they usually. I think it's their, August. Yeah, I think yeah. so. They usually have their little safe co-field Olympic games, and uh, that's always good for a few pictures and videos. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, that that should be coming up. Um, hopefully, we'll get an announcement of that. But uh, anyways, there was some big news that didn't pertain to the Mariners uh, during the All Star game, and uh, well, it might it actually it might pertain to the Mariners. Um, I. Manny Machado has reportedly been traded to the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. 
the deal is not official. And uh, as we speak, I am combing through Twitter to see how the Baltimore Orioles are going to screw this up. Um, but it is a uh, it is interesting. Uh, Machado is really the first big name to come off the board, so maybe it gets the ball rolling. And oh wow, I did not have to scroll long. This is from Steve Phillips. Uh, you might know him. Uh, used to be the general manager for the Mets. Uh, he uh, he hosts the show on MLB Network Radio. And he has tweeted that there is a possible snag in the Manny Machado deal to the Dodgers. Sources indicate that one or more of the prospects coming to to the Orioles have some issues in their physicals. Surprise, surprise. May open the door <laughs> to other clubs. Stay tuned. So, yeah, the Orioles would do that. Um, wow. I, you know what, Mariners fans? At least you're not the Orioles. That's that's something to be happy about. <laughs> But anyway, well, go ahead. Yeah. Well, we he'll you know usually with these deals they hit a snag with the physicals and blah blah blah. But usually they figure out compensation later. So I'll still say that it's likely that he'll yeah. be a Dodger in the next day or two. Yeah. Um, though personally, like look, looking at it from the outside, I would have rather had the uh, the Phillies package. I mean, getting uh, getting a pitcher like Adonis Medina, mm-hmm. um, which it looked like, I would have taken that over uh, over Diaz. But um, you know, uh, it's still a pretty good haul. Uh, you know, depending on who didn't fail their physical. Right. Uh, uh, so yeah, um, but yeah, for for a player that's going to leave you in three months. Pretty good haul. Um, and uh, if he does go to the Dodgers, then that means that the Mariners will have to uh, play against him again this year uh, since they play the Dodgers the 16th through the 18th in August or something. And that makes and that, makes that series significantly harder, all things considered. But uh, one thing that I did want to bring up is now the, uh, the Dodgers kind of have a little bit of a logjam out in the outfield. Mm-hmm. Um, if uh, the Machado deal goes through, because Chris Taylor is going to have to play in uh, in the outfield, right? So, um, you know, they have Camp uh, Puig is on the DL right now, but they also have uh, Alex Verdugo. They have uh, Andrew Tolls. So Peterson. they have a yeah, and then they have Jock Peterson. So. And I saw yesterday you brought up on Twitter if uh, Jock Peterson might be a little bit expendable now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Or no, I, you, you can continue. Yeah, I just, I, I'm a big fan of Jock Peterson. Um, I have been for a while. The dude gets on base, he hits for power. Um, you know, he strikes out quite a bit, but uh, not this year, actually. He's at 15% this year, strikeout rate, which is pretty good. The guy matches right-handed pitching. He's a pretty good defender, Um, probably better suited for a corner spot, but, I mean, he's okay in center, like he's passable in center. Uh, He's probably better in left or right, but I like Jock Peterson a lot. Um, You know, he's 26 years old. He's in the first year of arbitration. He's controllable. The Mariners need a left-handed bat in the outfield, um, particularly one with power. 
I don't know. I like Jock Peterson, but you are right. Uh, this do, this would, in theory, create some sort of logjam for the Ori or for the uh, Dodgers. And it also, if I'm if I'm remembering the report I read correctly, um, the Dodgers really want to get below the luxury tax th- uh, threshold, and adding the remaining, I don't know how much it is, uh, nine ten million dollars of Machado might push them over the edge. So they might be looking to unload a few contracts. And uh, as you might imagine, the Dodgers have some guys making some money. So, uh, you know, maybe there's something there that the Mariners can do uh, with the Dodgers. I know, like, none of the names will be that uh, exciting. Uh, Logan Forsythe is a guy. Um, I don't think they're going to trade Grant Dahl, but he's making money. Um, I think... Haijun Ru, I think, is one of the guys that was mentioned. Um, he might help. Starting pitcher, he's making a little bit of money, although he's on the DL right now, again. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting to see. There are some guys that make sense. Um, I'm just, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what, what it really all means for the Mariners, so. Yeah, I, um. I think I read somewhere that the uh, the Orioles. Sorry, if I can speak, uh, the Orioles are sending them uh, some money uh, to take care of the luxury tax situation and also to get a better, uh, right, better compensation. So um, we'll see if that's part of the uh, the final deal, but uh, who knows if that'll. But that that also means that like the Dodgers probably won't add anyone else at the deadline, which they could and probably should, because I don't think that they're, even with Machado, I don't think they're better than the Cubs or even the Braves. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to see the ball, uh, get rolling, uh, quickly, uh, gives me some hope that maybe the Mariners, uh, could swing a, a, a deal, sooner rather than later i i i really think that they should at a bat um within the next week uh if they can um you know i'm not a huge fan of having to wait until the specific deadline uh just get the guys that you can when you can get them um because then you know when it comes to the actual day of you only get a handful of hours and you're having to bid against everyone, and teams start to get desperate. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, I, I rather, you know, I prefer them to uh, try to work out a deal over the next week or so uh, for at least one of the guys that they intend to get. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't think, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think DePoto has ever actually swung a deal on deadline day. Um not for the Mariners, at least. He usually operates shortly after the All-Star break, and then really, actually, in August, he gets a lot of stuff done. So uh, I don't, I don't think he, I can't remember a trade that he's made on July 31st. Can you? Uh, was the Wade Miley deal on the 31st? It might have been like the, been the, the, the Miranda one. Yeah, yeah. That might have even been on the 30th. But yeah, that's the closest thing I can think of. Um. <clears throat> You know, it, it does feel a little weird that Jerry Depoto hasn't made a move yet, but then again, there haven't been any, really any team hasn't made a deal. Um, 
I mean, right now the Mariners have still made the most significant deal until this Machado one is clarified, unless I'm forgetting one, but the Alex Colomain Denard Span is still probably the most significant trade made in the uh for you know a team on the play in the playoff race am i am i forgetting one yeah, or yeah. is i don't think so i think that's still like the big no. one. so i don't know we'll see um i don't think jerry's gonna sit on his hands um you know i think he needs to make two or three trades uh we'll see what happens so uh, i think you're right the closer you get to july 31st I mean, in theory, in theory, it should be the less guys cost, and for some, in some cases, it is. But I think the closer you get, the more teams are really saying, "Hey, you know what? Let's roll the dice. Let's go for it." And the Mariners, again, they can't really afford to get into any kind of like bidding war, so to speak. Yeah, because like if suddenly there's interest in Nick Castellanos, yeah, like a July 31st, you don't like if you can get them cheap now. Like, go for it, you know. Um, yeah, so, you know, there's this whole struggle with the, you know, do we wait, do we go for it now type of thing? Uh, are we going to overpay if we if we go now, you know? Um, I don't think that will be the case. I just, I, I can't see Jerry waiting until the day of. Um I'm I'm sure he'll make at least one move on the 31st, but um, yeah, I I I I just can't imagine him making uh, every single move that he's going to make on the 31st. And plus, there's always the waiver deadline, which mm-hmm. he absolutely loves. Uh, so you it's know, the Mariners might not. Yeah, and uh, it's it's very possible that he doesn't. Uh, get everyone that the Mariners need uh, this month. Um, it's you know he he could add that final piece in, in August at some point. You know because like think about it. The you know we always bring this up, but the Astros added Justin Verlander at the waiver deadline last year, and he was a key piece to win in that World Series. Mm-hmm. You know you can get someone very significant that swings you one way or another. Um, in August, uh, you know, which is something that kind of gets overlooked, right? Yeah. Because, yeah, you, you know, ESPN or, it's you know, harder. what have you. Yeah. It's but ESPN well. or whatever ha- hypes up the trade deadline, yeah. right? But, like, the waiver deadline is really where good teams make their best moves. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, At least we've seen in the past. Yeah. It, it's definitely a place where you can get better. Um, I remember... Uh, I wrote a little bit about this and a few of the names that, you know, DePoto has acquired in August um, after the non-waiver tra- trade deadline is passed. You're talking about guys like Mike Leak, uh, Yonder Alonzo, even Ben Gamble was acquired on, you know, uh, August 31st. Uh, <clears throat> and at the time, that was pretty insignificant. It was just a minor league guy. And now Ben Gamble is, you know, a useful major league player. So... You know, the Poto is going to get stuff done, and uh, you know, just some names to keep in mind that might be around in August. Uh, Cole Hamels. Uh, you're looking at a guy like uh, Jordan Zimmerman, maybe of the Tigers. Uh, you're looking at a guy like uh, possibly Irvin Santana of the Twins. Um, 
So, you know, that there's some guys who are going to be making money who nobody's going to put a claim on and you can, you can maybe work out a deal. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be guys who are making money. I remember last year, Nick Castellanos cleared waivers and nobody want, I, I don't know why people don't want Nick Castellanos, but whatever. He cleared waivers last August. Nobody wanted him. I, I couldn't believe that, but I mean, it is what it is. We, we don't need to spend too much time talking about Nick Castellanos, although I could. But we're going, to go ahead, we're going to move ahead to a player that we know the Mariners will be acquiring on August 14th or thereabouts. Uh, I'm, of course, talking about Robinson Cano. Um, Ty has written a piece about Cano and kind of what the Mariners intend to do. Um, that will be out shortly. It might be out as you're listening to this podcast, so go check it out at sotomojo.com. But anyways, Ty, this is kind of your topic, so I'm going to let you take the lead here. What the heck's going to happen with Robinson Cano when he returns? Uh, so, yeah, um, Robinson Cano is a first baseman now, forever. This has forced the Mariners' hands, and, and it, it's the best thing that could have ever happened to the Mariners, really. Because now they've seen that D. Gordon is a... While Robinson Cano is a really good second baseman defensively, D. Gordon is just significantly better. And he also doesn't fit in center field. Um, now, it does give you some flexibility with D. Gordon where he can play center field in a pinch. Um, but he is the Mariners' second baseman, and Robinson Cano is their first baseman. Um, and that's, and, and, and that's for the best because it gets every, you know, it gets all your best bats in the lineup, uh, without creating any headache, without benching anyone. Uh, for no reason, uh, it just creates a couple of minor problems. So the one thing is, what do you do with Ryan Healy? Mm-hmm. Um, now I talk about this in 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 the in the article, and I won't get too much into detail about it because I want you guys to read about it. <laughs> but um, uh, clearly, Healy will will probably be the one that goes down. Uh, when Cano is is activated, um, I mean they could do some sort of platoon type of thing with them, uh, where Cano goes to second on certain days and D goes to center and Healy plays first. Ty, real fast, uh, can you tell everybody? Uh, can you tell everybody why Robinson Cano is going to be? How you know Robinson Cano is going to be the first baseman? Oh yeah, so um, Cano uh, recently talked to the media. And he said he's going to do anything he can to get onto the field to help this team win. He understands the situation with D, uh, that, you know, because Cano is, is not going to be eligible to play in the playoffs, uh, D's got to play second base because that's where he's going to play in the playoffs if the Mariners make it. Now, um, there's been this idea floated around for years that Cano will finish his career as a Mariner at first base. Um, that's just been inevitable. Even though that Cano has never played another position other than second base in his career, he's just destined for first base. Um, so, yeah. So that's how we've come to this conclusion. Also, there just really isn't another place for him to play. He can't be the designated hitter because Nelson. we have Nelson Cruz. He can't be the third baseman because Kyle Seeger and also because why would you put Robinson Cano on the hot corner? Um, so that's basically where he has to go. And 
that's just going to be his place from now on. That, and, that, and that's totally fine. So back to what I was saying about Ryan Healy. Um, Healy uh, will probably be the one that goes down. Uh, over the last two months, he's slashing 223, 253, 391. Right now, it's terrible. He's just been atrocious at the plate and he's not walking at all he's striking out a lot i mean he's hit a few bombs here and there but you know who cares really when he's not producing on a consistent basis mm-hmm. um the real problem that he that that's not a problem because healy still has three options right so he can just go down whenever and that's fine the problem is do you trust him enough to play first base in the playoffs and give you and and produce and meaningful at bats in the playoffs? Because Cano's not going to be there, so therefore there's going to be an opening at first base. Um, so Jerry Depoto is kind of faced with uh, with a, a decision here: should you acquire a first baseman or someone that? you could slot at first base. So we mentioned Nick Castellanos. He would probably play first base. Uh, teams have looked at Mike Moustakis as a first baseman. I'm not saying that the Mariners will acquire either one of these players, but, you know, getting someone to play first base for a playoff game, even though that creates a bit of a logjam while Cano is on the team, that's something that you really have to consider because do you really want Ryan Healy playing for you on the playoff team? And I don't think that Ryan Healy's done anything to earn himself a playoff or a spot on the playoff roster. So, you know, that's something to consider. Um, and yeah. So, uh, what do you think? Yeah. You know, uh, the nice thing about Ryan Healy is that he has three, all three options remaining. So you can send him down, and no threat to lose him. I mean, he can you can stash him in AAA. Um, there certainly is some form of upside with Ryan Healy. Uh, you know, he has moments where he looks like he's a really good, solid bat, and then he has moments where he's kind of looks overmatched. You know, um, I'm a big fan of Ryan Healy. I like the dude. Um, I think there's some upside in the bat, um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I, you got to produce, man. You have to produce. Um, Ryan Healy, I wonder, I speculated about this last night on Twitter as well. I mean, would it be far-fetched if the Mariners like decided to trade Ryan Healy at the deadline this year or in this offseason? No, because if Robinson Cano is your first baseman of the future, uh there's really no place to put Ryan Healy unless you're not going to re-sign Nelson Cruz. Um, then I guess there, but it just, it doesn't, Ryan Healy doesn't make sense past this year or even right now, if Robinson Cano is going to be the everyday first baseman next year. Um, now because Healy has three options remaining, um, you can stash him in AAA. Um, you know, he's going to hit there and, Maybe he figures something out. Maybe he learns how to take a walk, things like that. But he might also have some value on the trade market. Like a team like the Baltimore Orioles, for example, who are rebuilding, right? They're, they're, they committed their rebuilding. Well, Ryan Healy is 26 years old. 
Um, he's got four years. He's got four and a half years of club control left. He's got all three options. He hits for power. Um, that player should be appealing to the, a team like the Orioles. So, is there some kind of trade you can work out there, either this off season or in the next couple weeks? And then at first base, you know, you just kind of you kind of suck it up for a month and. Maybe it's a guy you go get like Esdrubal Cabrera and you say, you know, I know you've never done this before or you've done it very little, but we're going to stick you at first base for a month and uh, we're just going to go from there because that's what we have to do. But uh, one idea that I would raise is um, the possibility that you acquire an outfielder, right? Um, just for this, let's say it's Leonis Martin, all right? Mm. You then you send down Ben Gamble, who has an option left, and you give Ben Gamble pretty much all of August to play first base in Tacoma. Um, you call him up in September with the September call-ups. You work him there a little bit at first base. You get him some games in left field, yada, yada. And then when the playoff time rolls around, Ben Gamble is your first baseman. Um, in the outfield, you would still have a platoon of basically Denard Span and Guillermo Heredia at that point. Uh, Martin would be your everyday center fielder. Hanniger would be your everyday right fielder. And Ben Gamble would, in theory, be your first baseman or maybe it's Ryan Healy. Does that make sense at all? Like, Yeah. Uh, and I, I just think maybe that's a way to go. Um, it gets Ben Gamble reps at first base, which we know the Mariners have been experimenting with. It also gets him at-bats every single day. Um, which, I mean, I, I, I think you could, I think most importantly is you could sell to Ben Gamble. You're not going down because you're bad. You're not going down because you've done something wrong. You're going down because we need you to play first base and we need you to do it mm -hmm. in a place that's not going to hurt us right now. Yeah. I mean, just, it's just good. And the thing to consider here is like, if you've sent him down, he's only going to be down for two weeks or so. Yeah. Um, because you don't get Cano until mid-August. So that's going to be right around the Dodgers series that we mentioned. Um, yeah, so so even if, so, if you send down Gamble or you send down Healy, and the, you know, and this really, all of this really hinges on what they do at the deadline. And right. that's what makes their, their plan um, so hard to predict. Um, but yeah, so... You know, I, I like the idea of Gamble. Um, you know, or maybe they, you know, like you mentioned as Dribble Cabrera, maybe they get someone like Yngirve Sarlarte, who's mm -hmm. played for space and then can play all three other infield positions uh, when you don't need them there anymore. Um, you know, so there's, and, you know, plus he's a switch hitter too, so that's right. always nice. But, um, there, you know, there's so many moving pieces to this that Robinson Cano kind of creates. And it's, and it's awkward because Cano is such a good hitter that you have to get him into the lineup. Right. They, you have to absolutely utilize him. So it creates a bit of a problem, especially when he's not eligible to play in the playoffs. If he was, then this wouldn't be a problem at all. It would be nope. Ryan Healy goes to Tacoma. Who cares? Cano's your first baseman going into the playoffs, and your lineup suddenly looks even better. Mm -hmm. 
but yeah, and, and this is another, uh, like, I wanted to mention this because I forgot to mention it in the article. Another reason why Robinson knows, uh, suspension was the best thing that could have happened to the Mariners. It got you Denard Spam. Because mm-hmm. uh, Denard Spam's been arguably the one of the best hitters on the Mariners. He could be the second best hitter on the Mariners right now since he's joined the team. Uh, he, you know, that's that's not something that should be overlooked here and no. all this. And um, yeah, it's just. You know, it, it's such a complicated thing, but it's a good problem to have. Right. Uh, it's a really good problem to have because you get an all-star second baseman to help you get over the hump for the next, for the final six weeks of the season. Yeah, you know, you get a a legitimate Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame caliber player, and, you know, we'll see how long it takes. I think Robinson Cano can go down with the affiliated teams in the minor leagues starting two weeks before suspension's up, which would be August 1st, basically. Um, and he'll get, he'll have two weeks to kind of get back in the swing of things and all that. And I think people kind of forget and, you know, pretty easily. So because the guy wasn't around long, but Cano was off to a fantastic start this year. Um, you know, I got his numbers right here. He was in his, in the 169 plate appearances he got before the injury and then suspension, Cano was slashing 287, 385, 441. That's a 131 WRC plus. And he was his walk rate was 12.4%. His K rate was 13.6. He was on his way to a fantastic year. And yeah. adding that bat in the middle of the lineup, you're right. It's just something you have to do. I mean, and maybe it's, it's not easy and it doesn't fit perfectly. Like maybe some people thought, but you have to have that bat. Um, particularly if the A's or the twins or anybody is running you down for that last spot, you need, it'd be stupid not to use Robinson Cano. So I, I think you're right. I think they're going to have to use him um, obviously, and they should use him. And I think he'll help quite a bit. Um, Particularly, he moves Mitch Haniger. Probably, he should be Mitch Haniger should be leadoff, hitting leadoff or second. But when Cano returns, I mean, do you hit Cano fifth? Do you hit him third and then hit Haniger fifth or sixth? Or you see how long that lineup gets when you have Robinson Cano to it? Um, yeah. So it's interesting to see. Uh, you guys should definitely check out Ty's article. Um, it should be up as you're listening to this. Um, Robinson Cano, what do you do? Um, and what's the plan? Uh, is it Ryan Healy going down? Is it something I propose where Ben Gamble goes down? Um, I guess in that case, Ryan Healy would also have to go down. But, you know, you, you get the idea. So, um, yeah, give it a read, guys. It's up on the website, sotomojo.com. Uh, Ty, let's wrap this thing up. Do you have any final thoughts about the Mariners um, who get back into action on Friday. Uh, yeah. So, uh, the, you know, like we, we talked about, they, they're going up against the White Sox. Um, they should definitely win at least two of those three games. Uh, I don't see any other reason why not. Um, hopefully that gets them back on track. Hopefully the break has given them a little bit of time to, to rest up and, 
kind of work through their uh, their struggles right now and just come in with a clear mind and uh, get back to playing baseball that they were playing for the first three months of the season um, because that's that's who they are. Um, I think I think we know now that that this team is actually really good. Um, they're not a fluke. Uh, they're just a good team that has had a couple of hiccups. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're, it's their uh, playoff spot to lose. I still don't fully rule them out for uh, contention in the AL West. Uh, it's a, definitely a huge long shot with how good the Astros are. But, you know, you never know. Uh, injury here, injury there, never know. Uh, but still, they... Uh, it's definitely like the second wild card is definitely theirs to lose. Uh, the A's are probably not as good as they're playing right now. Um, I think that's more just common sense. Um, you know, the A's are an exciting team, but that's, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're about a year off. Uh, so yeah, uh, I think, uh, I think the Mariners will get back on track here, uh, pretty soon. And they'll have some reinforcements coming in soon with the uh, with the deadline, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully extending that lineup even more. Hopefully uh, bolstering the bullpen, and maybe they even get a starter that can help them uh, down the stretch and uh, give them some good innings, especially if they uh, make the make the playoffs. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, they just uh, you know they just gotta work through their slump, and I think they'll be fine. Yep, so that's going to wrap up uh, the show. Thanks for joining us, guys. Um, as always, you can find us on Twitter, at SotoMojoFS. Uh, you can find us on uh, Facebook by searching SotoMojo. Uh, visit the website, guys. we got some good content up, including Ty's article about uh, Robinson Cano's return. Um, and be sure to leave us a like or subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. And uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully. Um, and hopefully it will be accompanied by some excitement by the guy Jerry DePoto recently acquired. Who knows? So uh, we're going to sign off for now, guys. And, uh, you know, go Mariners. Don't panic. And just enjoy the ride, guys. Uh, so this is Colby Patnode, site expert, signing off. And we will see you guys in another life.